welcome to the TCO Method, the only show focused on helping you massively increase your net operating income. I am Andy McQuaid, and I want to thank you for joining me. Not going to get really super technical today, kind of a shift away from the last couple episodes. What I want to do is, first of all, acknowledge the fact that if you're listening to this on Independence Day, July 4th, I appreciate you taking time out of your day for real estate stuff. I'm proud of you. It's awesome. I will be doing real estate stuff all day on July 4th, other than when I'm having family time. But all that notwithstanding, I want to discuss a little bit about your vendor relationships and what that means when we put it in the light of your team and who's looking out for you and that other stuff. Like I mentioned a little bit, if you know my background, I spent 20-something years on the supply side. I asked a lot more questions and got a lot more specific with how I sold things, which is why I'm doing what I do now. Uh, a lot of self-education and a lot of people willing to take me under their wing and show me how they ran their businesses. I'll say it again if you haven't listened to the initial episodes of this program. Nothing I do in the TCO method is a secret. I took a lot of good ideas from a lot of good operators who successfully addressed issues that a lot of other property management firms run into. And that's part of how this was born, is I like strategy and systems, and I like to look at things and take it apart. I like to see it from 10,000 feet, but I also like to get really granular on how certain things work or don't work. And when you're in the back end of enough operations where you get to see how they pay their bills and who they work with and why they choose who they choose to work with and how they run this and why they use this software or why they buy from this vendor, you start to build patterns and you start to see, oh, this is why, oh, that is why. So what I want to talk about is putting people on your team and with all the July 4th sales and Independence Day holiday this and come buy appliances from that and box store advertisements and all that other stuff, it seems to be a, a good time to put a topic out there that not a lot of people want to discuss. And that's buying stuff, right? We, we know that I'm against the race to the bottom. I'm not a big believer in just buying product from wherever we'll sell it to you the cheapest because there's a cost to the cheapest product. But this isn't a product-based episode. This is going to be a operations-based episode and a what-is-your-time-worth type of episode. And I also want to talk a little bit about vendors because vendor relationships, vendor relationship management, a vendor management office, whatever you want to call it, should be a key component in procurement. And everybody's eyes glaze over when I say the word procurement because to most people, it's just purchasing. It's not. Procurement is how you get every single input, every single product and service that you put into your business so your business can operate day to day should be controlled by procurement and it should be solving business problems. Okay. Now I'm past that. I'm not saying anything about it again. The reason I want to talk about your vendor relationships in the TCO method for today's episode is I saw a post the other day about impacting your NOI, not from me, on LinkedIn, I think it was, pretty sure it was LinkedIn, 
and the guy was basically claiming victimhood that you had no control over your NOI and that it was just going to be what it is and there's just too many fixed expenses you can't touch and you're just out of luck if you really think you can change your, your net operating income. Uh, yeah, I got news for you. None of that's actually accurate unless you're just going to play the victim card. Sorry. Like, there's a lot of places in your P&L that you can make changes in your operations and your processes and your purchasing and procurement where you absolutely can move the needle on your net operating income. Brand new property. Chances are you're not paying 50% of gross revenue to operate the property anyway. You're probably somewhere between 30 and 45%, depending on where it is and just how inexpensively raced to the bottom that particular project was built. But you're good for at least a couple of years. The properties I'm specifically referencing right now are some of the older stock, that ideal value-add target stock. And you can really make a move and move the needle on your NOI in a bunch of ways. But one of them is how you negotiate with and treat your vendors and whether they're a cost center, meaning all you do is spend money with them, or whether they're a value driver, which means that they're helping you solve problems and address issues by, instead of just selling you what they have or what they offer, they're giving you the stuff you need. And it's not a race to the bottom situation. It's a total value add situation. So there's usually three stages in the TCO method where we can break things down and make an impact. One of those is how you negotiate with them to come up with a win-win scenario where you're getting market or below market prices for products and not retail, where you're getting service that doesn't cost you more in labor as far as meeting trucks for deliveries, as far as install problems, as far as quality of workmanship problems on products, uh, warranty stuff. You want to minimize all that and you want to make sure that you're leveraging your buying power with your vendor partners for what you're going to bring to the table. Now, the biggest issue I run into is there's a lot of people who go out and they talk a good game and they never deliver. So they walk into all these vendors and they try to flex like they're big man on campus saying, I'm going to spend this much money with you and I do this much business with all these guys. And if you want any of my dollars, you have to bend over and take it in the rear because this is the only way you're going to get my business, Mr. So-and-so. I will tell you right now, if that's you, you get gouged by everybody you deal with because no one wants to deal with a jerk. I used to make sure that my prices were so ridiculously high for high maintenance people like that, that they either wouldn't buy it from me or if they did buy it from me, it would be worth my time to deal with the headaches and the calls because typically when they come in and flex like that, they have no idea what they're talking about and they have no business being in the business to begin with. So the headaches and issues and complications that they cause themselves would cost me money as a vendor. So if I couldn't avoid them by pricing out my services or my product, I would avoid them, I, I would make them pay for the extra headaches they were going to cause down the road. 
And why do I mention that? Well, it's really, really simple. I mention it because a lot of people who don't have buying power, who don't have volume, who don't have experience, will go in and play that exact card. The other people who do, and do treat their vendors that way, and do participate in the race to the bottom because that's what it is, they got creamed during COVID. Why? Well, it's really simple. Nobody wanted to bend over for them because there was no money in it to fix problems. So when they had a loyal guy who worked with them and built the relationship, those people were taken care of and prioritized because they pay their bills on time. There's enough meat on the bone left for the vendor to actually want to fix the problems. And typically, they're willing to take care of people who take care of them. If you bring somebody a bid opportunity five times a year, and they only get one of those, and they only get it because they happen to be low bid, and they're making money on it, and there's problems, they're not going to take care of you later. So the three-bid process, especially in multifamily, is going to cost you more money in the long run. By a lot. And I'm not talking about the, the little guy who drives to four different places and spends his money and his time trying to save $50 on a $5,000 project. I'm not talking about that guy. That guy, I don't even know why they're even in business. The reality is that after COVID, it became very apparent that you, out in the audience, need your vendors more than your vendors need you. And maybe that dynamic will change again in the future, but they can choose right now to be picky who they take care of and who they do business with and what they charge because the abusers were shown through delays and price increases and insanity through COVID exactly what that race to the bottom low bid process gets them. And it's nothing good. And I'll also point out that most of your building materials dealers they're not startups starting from the ground that, you know, need every single sale to pay the bills. I will point out that they figured out how to survive when hundreds and thousands of small business operators in the construction industry and in the trades failed. Why? Because you need them more than they need you. And if you screw with them, they can just choose not to do business with you or to prioritize other people's business above yours. That's reality. The most successful developers, the most successful operators I've ever worked with bring their vendors in before a project starts and they start planning material timelines, availability, product selections, and they do it to a point where you can even get as granular as having all of the product for every single apartment turn, delivered it once and carried into the unit so it's sitting and ready for the subs when they arrive. Oh, but I have my subs buy material. Okay, so pay your subs more money and control the material because I guarantee you if you do it right, you will save money. Oh, but, but, but they'll steal from me and they'll generate waste. No, no. If you know what you're doing and your vendors know what they're doing and you're delivering what's needed to complete a turn on a couple of pallets, into an apartment unit, 
before construction starts, if things turn up missing, they're on the hook for it. You write that into your contract. I'm going to pay you this much more because you're not going to be able to make money on buying materials for me, Mr. Contractor. Put this product in. If something's missing, you're going to pay for it. So be aware of that. So it becomes all of a sudden really important that when they get to the job, the first thing they do is they open everything and they tally it and they make sure it matches the list from the takeoff for what it takes to complete a turn in that unit style. And all of a sudden, most of your supply chain issues evaporate when it comes to your, your subs. And they're not running around looking for material, trying to buy stuff last minute, spending time in these stores because most of them are going to Home Depot or Lowe's and waiting in line, paying too much because Home Depot and Lowe's love retail. They love full price. It ain't market price. Usually, if you compare the prices on the shelf at a Home Depot or Lowe's to a mom and pop wholesale building materials dealer, your prices are going to be 10 to 15% higher at Home Depot on the shelf. Additionally, Home Depot and Lowe's are so much harder to work with that if you're not saving at least 10% off that retail on every single sale, you're losing money because of the extra labor it takes. I had a customer buy $3,000 worth of product a couple of months ago, and it took nine deliveries across two days to get that product. Nine deliveries. Three different stores, nine different drivers, two days. The amount of time that customer spent meeting delivery trucks and putting product away was probably more in labor costs and opportunity cost than just buying the product. You have to have vendors that understand your business and are willing to work with you on your team to make efficiencies happen. It's not just about the bottom dollar. A lot of times what you're doing is creating a process where everybody wins and you make more money because you stay on time and in budget, less hands in the cookie jar, and the jobs just go the way they're supposed to because you planned far enough ahead. The worst thing you can do in building materials is show up and say, I need this tomorrow. You're terrible at planning, Mr. Contractor, because I'm pretty sure you didn't sell that job yesterday. I'm pretty sure you didn't do a takeoff for that job yesterday. I'm pretty sure that the customer didn't pay you yesterday for this material. And I'm also really sure that the town, county, city, whatever government didn't just issue a permit yesterday when you walked in. Your lack of planning is costing you money. Your lack of being able to execute business operations is your biggest enemy. Your vendors need to be your business partners in your success. A strong procurement operation includes a vendor management program. There's stuff that goes into it that involves planning ahead, cutting down the number of vendors, standardizing processes and operations, standardizing product selections, standardizing delivery times and windows. There's all these things you can do to impact your NOI on your labor, your overhead, your costs for materials, your costs for uh, subcontracted labor. All of these things add up. 
And when you're talking about communities with 300, 400, 500 doors, they can add up in big ways that you don't really realize until it's too late. Like product is one thing, putting the right product in that, that extends the useful life, all that stuff. Great. Not the right answer for everybody. The TCO method is for everybody. You can go out today and redo your vendor relationships, your vendor purchasing selections, your, your just even consolidating the number of places you shop from. The guy who says, ah, I'm not doing that. I need to spread the wealth around. You're literally a moron. If you're in business to make money, and your answer is, I need to spread the wealth around, you're one of those people who probably isn't going to make it longer than five to 10 years. You're literally the example of the operator that's really good at something technical and opened their own business and is really bad at running that business. Don't like it? Podcast at tcomethod.com. Send me an email. Tell me I'm a moron. You can be like Bob in Miami and we can have a conversation. Anyway, so what you can do right now, pull your receipts out of your shoebox or whatever, look at your credit card statements, look at your bank statements, look at wherever, wherever you're buying your product from. Count the number of vendors that you buy from in a month. Is it more than 10? Just products. Don't even look at labor stuff. Just products. Is it more than 10? I bet you it is. Can you figure out a way to get it to 10? Because here's why. You can literally, in most cases, for a serious multifamily real estate operation, you can pay for a full-time employee to do semi-centralized purchasing, meaning contract negotiation, vendor negotiation, vendor management, uh, order pre-planning, project pre-planning, all of that kind of stuff. You can pay their salary for a year off of what you can save in three to six months just from getting your head on straight. Information and data is your friend. Your vendors should be your lifeline. You should be able to go to a vendor and say, hey, I've been doing this, but I really like this that I get from you now. You guys do this and this and this. Why aren't you doing it for me? Sometimes it's because they just don't have the capability, the bandwidth, whatever to make it happen. How do you go in and actually do the negotiation with a vendor to get them to want to work with you. Well, first, you can't be Mr. Tough Guy, my business is worth more than you make and blah, blah, blah. Like, if that's your attitude, you're going to be a zero for the rest of your life. Sorry. Nobody's going to, you can flex all you want, have all the big boats and nice cars and all the other stuff. It's all smoke and mirrors. It's all empty. Because no one wants to work with you. No one wants to do anything for you. And they're going to find a way to make money off you one way or the other, instead of having an open, honest, two-way relationship, they're going to find a way to make the money that you're shortcutting them on, on the other side. And if you treat them like dirt, you should look back to 2020 and 2021, because that's going to happen to you every single time stuff gets hard. Because you're not worth it. Because you don't add value to that relationship. All you are is a paycheck that they can get from someone else who wants that stuff more, who's willing to take care of them. Learn the lesson. Because if you don't, you ain't going to be around long. So there's stuff that they do, all all vendors, 
that's really driven on your volume, your relationship, and if you have the potential to grow or not. Like if you go into a deal with HD Supply, before Home Depot bought them again, they had programs with tiers. Large operators with 10,000 plus doors could get not just special pricing versus what's online or in the catalog, whether it was discounts, shipping concessions, lead time concessions, whatever, you could get special pricing. You could get project pricing when they had White Hat as part of their, their operation. You could get, you know, renos and turns done, um, products for those done at special pricing, fixed pricing. But you also could get incentive-based rebates. So if you're big enough, they'll give you a rebate. Sometimes it's 2%, sometimes it's 3%. Oh, but if you're big, and if you're doing like a million dollars, a million five, two million, three million with them, oh, those numbers get up to 10% and more, 12%. It's not just about the rebates and the discounts. It's not just about getting that lowest price possible. Okay? Service is an expense that they pay for, that you should be willing to pay for, because it's going to impact your business. And if there's not enough meat on the bone, when things go wrong, they're not going to fix it or they're going to drag their feet fixing it because they don't want to eat it. There's also another trust but verify theme to this. So I'm big on trust but verify. Know your numbers, know how your processes work, understand what everything costs you, make sure you can quantify it so you can check it to say, no, this number makes sense, this doesn't. I say that all the time. Sorry for the people who listen regularly where I'm beating that drum, but it's an important one. With vendors, you build a vendor scorecard. A lot of vendors, especially in tertiary markets, are not going to have the capacity necessarily to handle everything you bring them. So you're going to have multiple vendors for the same product. Hopefully, it is an identical product. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Same thing with services. You build a vendor performance scorecard. It's one of those things that's part of collecting data and information on your business that will allow you to tune it and make changes so you can do better. Your vendor's performance scorecard should be tracking your pricing consistency. You want fixed pricing for everything, so your budgets are budgets. Do they need to lock their pricing for the entire project? Only if you're willing to cut them a check to pre-purchase all those materials today. Inflation is real. You as a buyer cannot hold your vendors to price guarantees like you did pre-pandemic. Unless you are going to give them cash to reserve the product you need for your project up front. Most of them will have an escalation clause or an escalation rider in the contract when you go to sign it that says, we're allowed to increase your prices by 5% up to three times in a year with 30-day notice or 60-day notice, whatever it is. But when you're doing a massive reno project that's going to take a year or two, how does that look? How is that going to work for you? Because if they do it, and it's a three-year project, and they do all three escalators during the year, that's 15%. And another 15% the following year. And COVID's a terrible example because it was the outlier, 
but I saw a lot, a lot, a lot of poorly executed contracts go sideways during the pandemic. In fact, I took a lot of phone calls from people looking to find products, buy product, lock product in, and they would sell their right leg and their pinky fingers to get product guaranteed to be at a certain place at a certain time because it was costing them more in downtime than it was to just pay more to, to locate the product. I cannot tell you how many people reached out to me that were like, Oh my God, I need stuff now. I need appliances for 85 units. I need, you know, 6,000 square feet of LVT flooring, but all of the containers are in San Francisco and I can't get any and like just insanity. Couldn't have foreseen what happened. But again, if they had had the relationships with their vendors, they should have and were having conversations proactively about what was going on. A lot of the problems could have been avoided. Not all of them. Not all the price increases, because that's a hard and fast reality that you just have to deal with. But many of the problems could have been avoided had they put systems in place and pre-planned and pre-negotiated all of the stuff that they were going to do. So where do you move the needle today with your vendors? Standardize. Reduce the number, utilize your buying power, cooperate with them, because it's not just going to be about reducing your outlay of cash for product. You might pay a little more, but be willing to pay more to save time on your labor. Your labor is almost always going to be the place where you can save the most money. Sometimes it's operational processes. Sometimes it's opportunity cost for doing other things. Sometimes it's just having people available to do the work so you're not getting delays, which are costing you more money because of vacancies. Sometimes it's meeting trucks and taking deliveries. But having a vendor performance scorecard gives you visibility to what they're doing right and what they're doing wrong. It's not always about the race to the bottom, bottom dollar. It should be about how is this going to impact my net operating income? Because construction projects, when you're replacing stuff, the stuff that's going to pay you back over time takes time, right? There's an ROI period. You want it to be, you know, three years is great. Five years is okay. Seven years is eh, questionable. Anything over seven years, you're getting really close to needing another CapEx to do it all again. That's a hard pill for a lot of people to swallow. But when you're talking about immediate results by cleaning up your vendor program, assuming you even have one. You're going to hopefully save some money on product right off the bat, but you're going to build efficiencies. You're going to be able to ask your now partner, hey, what are other people doing to solve this issue? I have this happening all the time. What are they using? Right? Let's talk about what happened with sheet vinyl to LVT when it, when it came out 15, 20 years ago. Sheet vinyl was cheap, but you threw half of it away. It got holes ripped in it when you dragged appliances and, uh, and furniture across the floor. If you did the install correctly, the, inst the correct install is like a two-day process because of having to use floor leveler and glue and all this other stuff. LVP came in less waste, less install time, quicker turns, in and out faster. It wasn't the best stuff in the world in hindsight, right? Now everybody's moving to the, the, the click lock with the you know 6 to 12 mil, mil or 20 mil wear surfaces that hold up better. They don't stretch and fall apart in the sun like 
It's an apples and oranges comparison between product quality between now and then, but there's no denying it at the time that it was better than sheet vinyl. So what other innovations, ooh, big word, disruption, innovation, what other innovations are other people in your business using that you can learn about just by having a conversation with your vendors, having a relationship with that sales guy? Now, not all salespeople are created equal. I'm going to throw that out there. There's a lot more bad ones than good ones. But that's true of every single job everywhere. There's a lot more scrubs out there than top performers. That's life. And you're going to see both. The ones you want to get rid of are the ones that don't have the answers. And if they don't know, it shouldn't be just making something up or being that tough guy. No. They should go, I don't know. Let me ask. I'll find out. I'll see what other people are using. That should be the way that conversation goes. Not all this just BS and big guy talk and dumb ideas that don't sound like they make sense. And I see, right, I like to see the inside and I like to see how things work and take it apart. And the companies that are really, really good at value add, really, really good at operations, really good at maxing their NOI, understand that you absolutely 110% have the ability to influence your NOI in your property. If anybody says that to you, they're probably not a top performer. There are realities. You're not going to control a few key items that I'm not going to mention on this. So for people to come out and blanket say, oh, there's nothing you can do to, to impact your NOI. No, you're wrong. And you can impact it today. It all comes down to better decision making. It all comes down to looking at things with multiple aspects. What business problem does this solve? What does it do for my risk management? What does it do for my compliance? What does it do for my direct costs? What does it do to my indirect costs? How is that going to help me run my business? What does that do to my opportunity cost if I have to deal with that every day versus not having to deal with it at all? These are all things you should be asking yourself as an operator. Happy July 4th. I'm filming this on a Monday. It's the 3rd, but you're listening to it. It's July 4th. Happy July 4th. Have some beer, have some barbecue, have some bourbon. Have some other stuff that I'm not getting into because this is not that kind of show. And please make sure you like and share and comment. If you think I'm a jerk because I said that you're a scrub and you're going to go out of business, send me an email. I want to know. Appreciate you. Spread the word. The show exists. I've got some announcements coming in a couple weeks that are going to be pretty cool. And make sure you're spending time with your loved ones, your family, your friends. Get outside. Do something cool. Go do real estate. Network. Hug your mom. Hug your dog. See you Thursday.